the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. You know, Paul is speaking to his people, to this group of people through a letter. And it's not actually Paul, it's the Spirit of God. But he writes this letter to a group of new believers. And the thing is that Paul is going to give them a very articulate diagram or paradigm of what the Christian life is really about. And you know, when you became a believer, did you really understand all that you got in Christ? Did you, did you really understand all that you were receiving from Him at that point? It seemed like heaven was the thing. Hell was something to be avoided. And I was glad to have a Savior. But apart from that, I couldn't tell you at that, at that time. Of course, I was, I was pretty young. I was nine. But over a period of time, God is faithful to walk us into the truth. Now, we don't always have to recognize it. We don't always have to receive it. But He brings us along, doesn't He? He brings us along. And in that young church, there were these people in there. And they had all manner of baggage just like every one of you. And that baggage colored their interpretation of what Christianity would be about. They had a perception that they saw through a grid of emotions. That grid of emotions that had been given them through whatever their past included could have been idolatry, could have been Judaism, could have been all manner of vice, could have been abuse. I don't know what it was. But they lived in this world and Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. And He wasn't just talking about Christians. The bottom line is this world is so fixed to bring us into the place where we recognize that there is only one source of life, only one source of peace, only one source of salvation, and it's Christ. And more than that, Christ didn't just die to get us to heaven one day, and He didn't just die to save us out of our troubles here on earth. He died that we might have life. And that's what this journey is about. It is expanding in the life that we have been given. We're not getting it, we've got it. We are not attaining more life. We're growing in the fullness of the life that we have. And that's what Paul is taking these new Christians through. Now we're in chapter 2. 
And one of the things that Paul is establishing is every man needs to be born again. They cannot be justified by the law. They cannot be justified by their good behavior. Something has to take place that will literally transform them in a way that makes them completely righteous and acceptable to God apart from their behavior. Now, those of us who've grown up in the church system are really kind of leery of that message because, you know, if uh, we tell them they're justified apart from behavior, what will they go do? Well, they'll do the same thing you did. They'll get out there and injure themselves and injure themselves and injure themselves until they figure out sin doesn't suit them. And at that point, they'll receive the truth. And this truth gives them freedom to live so they can fall forward. Romans 2.12 says, All who have sinned without the law will also perish without regard to the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged and condemned by the law. It doesn't matter whether you're walking in a legalistic paradigm with all matter of laws and regulations, and it really doesn't matter if you're able to keep every one of them. So what's the advantage? Just that you know... The advantage of the law was that you knew the standard of Christ. It introduced you to your need. It didn't matter that they knew the law. He says, those who uh, sinned without the law will perish with, with regard to the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged. He didn't leave anybody out, did he? Romans 3.23 says, Since all have sinned and are falling short of the honor and glory which God bestows and receives. You know what? I love that verse. And it's not talking about Christians. It's talking about the need for Christ. And he says, all have sinned. Now the interesting thing is, he didn't say all were sinners. He said, all have sinned. And is there anybody here that hasn't sinned? They do, I'll sit down and they can talk. The truth is, all have sinned and all have fallen short in what? In the glory of God. So what is it that Christ that Christ came to give us? What is it that God so richly wants to bless us with? His glory. And in order to make that happen, He had to recreate us, didn't He? Well... This is what Paul is teaching them. And there are some Jews, and they lived around Jews, those that weren't Jews. But obviously the Roman church had Jews in it. And they believed that they were righteous because they had the law. Now, I was very particular in the way I phrased that. They believed they were righteous because they had the law. And as we come to verse 17, we see Paul using the Jew to illustrate the inability of man to be made righteous through the law. The point being made in this is that we were made righteous in Christ through our new birth, not through religion and not through the law, not through the lineage of man and not through behavior. You see, the desire of man... To justify himself, to find some other path to righteousness, began in the garden, didn't it? Well, do you think the devil's changed all that much? Or do you think that, that man's desire has changed? Not at all. 
apart from Christ, that's exactly what we seek to do. And even when we received Christ, if we choose to walk apart from Him, if we choose to walk after the flesh, not in the flesh, but after the flesh, then we'll do the same thing. Let's look at verse 17. Romans chapter 2, verse 17. But if you bear the name of Jew and rely upon the law and pride yourself in God and your relationship to Him, and by the way, that word but, I started with but because I read out of the Amplified and that's what they started with, can be translated since. Now, the Jews' security was in their identity. That's what their security was in. It was in their temporal identity. Their culture affirmed it. Their heritage affirmed it. Their salvation was through Adam. Their righteousness was in their possession of the law. And their obedience was selective and constantly being reinvented. Again, I don't want to make... This is not about the Jew. It is God's instruction to our soul. Tonight, it's not, I'm not speaking to a crowd of Jewish people. There may be some in here, but that's not who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to the Christian to the child of God. And for those of you who have not become a child of God, I'm saying tonight is a good night for that. But I'm speaking to the Christian and I'm saying to you, this is instruction for your soul. Because while you may say, okay, I don't have a problem, I'm a Christian, I don't have a problem trying to adhere to the law, that's not a huge temptation for me. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. For the Gentiles who did not have a law were a law unto themselves. You see, the issue is that if you have any standard of behavior other than Christ, and you are trying to meet that standard apart from Christ, because only Christ can meet it, then you're living to the law. You're living to self-righteousness. You are living in the same way that these Jewish people were living at that time. Verse 17 says that they rely upon the law. And really the word picture there is that they put their whole weight on it. And they expect it to hold them up and support them. They prided themselves in their God and in their relationship to Him. And this was not a religious fact. This was religious boasting is what it was. It was spiritual arrogance, first towards God and then in prideful hypocrisy. They had this attitude that everybody that wasn't a part of their particular sect, who wasn't fulfilling the law to the degree they were, were less than human, particularly Gentiles. It was snobbish. It was pride. They desired to be envied and celebrated, particularly the Jewish leaders. In 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks to those who boast in the flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31, it says, But it is from Him that you have your life in Christ Jesus. Who do you have your life in? Christ Jesus. Whom God made our wisdom from God, revealed to us a knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden, manifesting itself as... 
our righteousness, thus making us upright and putting us in right standing with God, and our consecration, we'll talk about that again, making us pure and holy, and our redemption, providing our ransom for eternal penalty from sin. So then, as it is written, let him who boasts and proudly rejoice and glories, boast and proudly rejoice and glory in the Lord. You see... It is only by the Spirit of God that we recognize our need for salvation. It is only by the Spirit of God that we can truly see our need. It is only by the Spirit of God that the need was met in Christ. It was only by the Spirit of God that we can even now see the truth of our condition before the Lord and embrace it and walk in it. What do you boast in? What do you boast in? When we boast in anything other than Christ, we enter into pride. We enter into self-righteousness. And here's the thing about pride. Pride blinds us, doesn't it? It blinds us to our weakness. It blinds us to our need to live in complete dependence upon Him. It blinds us to the fact that we are a branch continuously receiving life, part of the vine but made to be yielded to the vine. In order to be part of the vine, we must be yielded to the vine and grafted into the vine. Now that doesn't change. Every one of us have been grafted into the vine, but does the branch brag upon its ability to bear fruit? What would it brag in? If a branch could talk, it would say to you, I don't even hold myself here. I'm not on the vine because I am gripping and straining and holding myself in place. I'm on the vine because the vine has wrapped its life around me. And its life is about me and its life is in me. And its strength supports me. I could not bear fruit on my own. It is the life of the vine that brings forth the fruit. And it is the strength of the vine that holds the fruit in place. And it is the truth of the vine that displays the fruit. You see, what can I boast in? What can I say belongs to me? This is a word to you, Christian. Because if you are not walking with your hope and confidence in the Lord alone, then you're walking in pride. If you're walking in fear and anxiety, you are walking in pride. If you are relying on any other salvation than Christ, you are walking in pride. You see, pride is blind self-reliance that refuses to let go. It encumbers and binds us. It literally will shackle us to the flesh if we will allow it. You see, we only wear the chains we choose to wear because we've been freed. Philippians 3.3 says, For we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and by the Spirit of God and exult and glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ and put no, what's that word? No confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh and on outward privileges and physical advantages and external appearances. I guarantee you. Now, most of us, at least I know most of you, 
are not walking around with your thumbs in your armpits talking about what a great job, how great your spiritual walk is, how wonderful you've done, and, and, and all of these kind. You're not walking in that kind of boastful, braggadocious pride. But there's a different kind of pride. It's a pride that I fall into quite often. It's a pride that says, Father, help me so that I may be delivered. In other words, help me deliver myself. Father, secure me so that I may be secure because I'm interested in my own security. You see, that's pride. That's pride that won't say, you know what, Father? I have one hope. It's Jesus. I have one desire. It's Jesus. I have one reward. It's Jesus. And I do not want to hold to anything else. If the rest of it is yours, I let it go. I can't maintain it. I won't maintain it. I won't hold it together. I'm tired of being God in my home. I'm tired of being God in my work. I'm tired of being God in my relationship. I resign from the throne. I take the board or the beam out of my eyes so that I can clearly see the glory of your deliverance. You see, there's another kind of pride. And it's easy to fall into. Pride blinds us. These people were blinded by their own pride. They were blinded in their pride in their ability to keep the law, to be right with God, to walk in their own consecration and holiness. And Jesus challenges that self-righteous pride. He exposed the Jews' self-delusion many times. His Spirit in you actually will show you If you sincerely want to know, and pride usually doesn't, but if you sincerely want to know where you're walking in pride, if you sincerely want to know, it's because the Spirit of God has put that desire in your heart, number one. And here's a little saying that I love. It's not original to me. What He reveals, He heals. He doesn't bring anything to us that He doesn't already plan to deliver us from or hasn't already delivered us. And so he comes to you and you say to him, Father, show me the areas where I have been blind. Show me the areas where I have been deceived. Because don't don't believe for a second just because you've been blind to your condition that it's not affecting you. You know what? Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that He set us free. And many of us want to walk in that freedom, but we've got areas of our lives that we're absolutely buried underneath. And we're crying out for freedom, but when we speak of freedom, we're talking about freedom from the circumstance. And Christ says, I want to give you a liberty. I want to give you a freedom that will allow you to walk through any circumstance. See, that's real freedom. That's true deliverance. Deliverance that just frees me from where I am today does nothing for me tomorrow. I want His deliverance for every day. Jesus challenged them in their self-delusion. Romans 2.18 says this, as he continues, Paul continues, he says, speaking of them, he says, And know and understand, you believe that you know and understand His will, and discerningly approve the better things, and have a sense of what is vital, because you are instructed by the law. 
Now, first Paul addresses the Jews' heritage, their possession, verse 17, their possession of the law. And now he speaks to, of their righteousness based on their knowledge of the law. And this is where most Christians have a problem right here. Because they believe to possess something is to possess it here. Let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear that you are complete in Christ. You possess all that Christ died to give you right this minute. When you get to heaven, the only extra thing you're going to receive is getting shed of the body you're wearing and getting a new suit. I'm looking forward to that, amen? That's all you're going to get. But the spiritual truths of who Christ is, the truth of what He has done in you remains. The only difference between here and heaven is our ability to see it in all its glory and real estate, which is not a big factor in the Spirit. You have received everything in Christ. Everything that you need is in Christ. So when you believe that you have to know it here in order to possess it here, it's a lie. It's a lie. What Mike used to say, what are you going to do with a guy who can't read? You know, this has got to be for the simplest of us. And I'll put myself in that class. It's got to be for the simplest of us. You know, Paul said not many of you were wise by men's standards. <laughs> speaking. Well, I can agree with that. The truth is, I can be grateful that at my lowest point, I still possess everything Christ died to give me. And I have the potential to experience everything that God has given me. At my lowest point. At my lowest point. We tend to think that the experience of God and His presence is reserved for those special moments when we have the big choir and the, the music playing and, and, and the big revival and the big named preacher or teacher and, and, and all of it. No. It is your life. And though your emotions may not embrace the truth, this is the truth of the soul. Though your soul may not embrace the truth of it, it is in you now. You are richly blessed. Not going to be. You are. And you know what? Gathering knowledge won't make it any truer. Aren't you glad of that? Because many of us spend a lot of time filling up notebooks, don't we? And what good does it do you? Have you been able to live to it? Knowing doesn't make it living. You already have it. Faith makes it living. That's the difference. These people believed they were because they did. Paul says that won't work. Paul addresses the truth that they were not ignorant. They were not ignorant of what God wanted from them. They knew the law. They were self-deceived. They sought to establish a standard of righteousness by bringing righteousness into the reach of man through the reinterpretation of the law. They were testing the law, attempting to make the law compatible to themselves, their own version of righteousness that was based in themselves. And you say, I'm so glad we have the Bible. I'm so glad we can just go to the Bible. We don't have to deal with all of that. We don't have all... You deal with it all the time. You deal with it all the time. We are constantly reinterpreting what God has put before us to do. 
We're constantly making judgments about what we know God wants for our lives. We're constantly reinterpreting our relationship with Him. You do that on a daily basis. You wake up and it's a cloudy, overcast day, and they got the sad music playing on the radio, and you remember all of the bad things in your life, and suddenly you want to reinterpret God's relationship with you. You see it all differently now than come on Sunday morning or Saturday for you folks. And, you know, we're praising the Lord and we're shouting glory and so forth. And you know what? In the back of your mind you're thinking, boy, I wish God had showed up on Monday. Well, that was a miserable day. I don't know what He was doing on that day. He must have been playing golf or something because sure, he, he sure had left me. No. No. Pride blinded you blinded you when you assumed that somehow that you have been in charge of your life and that you will be in charge of the life to come. You know what depresses most people? They believe they're in charge of their life and they know what a failure they are. I wouldn't want to have me in charge of my life. I know what a failure I am. I mean, how happy would you be if you climbed up on a plane, it got in the air, and a guy gets on the microphone and says, Well, folks, I'm flying today, but I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. We're in the air, and that's a good thing, but I don't know how long we'll stay there. You know, things happen all the time when you're up in the air. People hit you, that people die. You know, things can fall apart. There's so many switches in here, I'm not even sure what the light switch is about. Well, I hope we make it. Maybe the Lord will deliver us. You know, we live life that way. The Jews reinterpreted their relationship. What are we doing? What are we doing? Dismissing the sovereignty, the love of God, the work, the completed work of Christ on a daily basis is reinterpreting the truth. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Orsbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.